cybersecurity? There's a ton of content out there, and if you don't know where to start, it can be overwhelming, even paralyzing. So let's fix that. Welcome to Simply Cyber, a community of tens of thousands of aspiring and active cybersecurity professionals focused on networking, knowledge sharing, and professional development. I'm Dr. Gerald Dozier, Chief Content Creator at Simply Cyber, inviting you to get the answers to your cybersecurity problems with hundreds of cybersecurity videos answering your frequently asked questions, interviewing industry experts, and live streaming daily cyber threat briefings hosted by me. Now get the stories and insights you won't find anywhere else. Hit subscribe now and dig into all the fresh content on the channel and in the community. Nothing should stop you from launching and leveling up your cybersecurity career today. All right, what's up, everybody? Welcome to the party. Today is Tuesday, February 6, 2024. Welcome to episode number 551 of Simply Cyber's Daily Cyber Threat Brief. I am your host, Dr. Gerald Osher. And over the next 45 minutes, me, you, Carrie, Mr. Greenreed, Centralist, AD, Becky Gaylord, Tom Bishop from the boot, Matt McDaniel out, out west, Alpha Sierra up in here, Paul Savage with a red badge, and Marcus Kyler with the blue badge, and the Yeet crew in tow. We're all going to be shredding the top cybersecurity news stories of the day, and I'll be giving my expert opinion and analysis on each of those stories on what it means to you as a practitioner. So what do I do with this information? It sounds interesting, but how can I use it to drive cyber risk reduction? That is the chef's kiss. That is the daily cyber threat brief. I'm going to be dropping my knowledge and sharing with you. Also, might add that networking is phenomenal because all the people in chat right now, they've all got tons of experience across different domains, different industries, different verticals, different parts of the world, and we're all sharing the knowledge together. It's an absolute delight. I freaking love it. If you're looking to break in the industry, don't be shy. There's plenty of value for you here. The aforementioned networking is phenomenal, and you'll be asked in any single job interview, how do you stay current in the industry? Believe that. And the answer is, oh, I don't know. Every single day I just consume the crap out of a daily threat briefing. How about this? Boom. We got this um, spoutable uh, Twitter thing. We've got AI. We've got uh, crypto. We've got Avanti, a hot mess express. We've got Move It, hot mess express. What do you want to talk about in this job interview? You're just going to be throwing knowledge grenades all over the place. And hopefully, hopefully the people interviewing you brought either an extra pair of shoes because you're going to blow those off or they're wearing a seatbelt so you don't blow them back out their chair like a Memorex commercial. But before we get into it, I do want to let you all know I do not prep or research for any of these stories in advance. You get my rough, rugged, raw, straight hot takes coming out the gate. So we'll see where it goes. Before I get into it, I do want to say shout out and love to the stream sponsors. Those companies that I absolutely identify with, really respect, and genuinely appreciate that they let me stand up here every single weekday morning with a belly full of coffee and a fire in my stomach to shoot out my hot thoughts on these things, starting with my friend Eric Taylor and his crew over at Barricade Cyber Solutions. Barricade Cyber Solutions is dedicated to helping businesses from cyber attacks and recover from the damage done. Cyber attacks can cause massive issues for businesses and send dedicated hardworking business owners into turmoil. But Barricade Cyber Solutions knows how to mitigate the damage done by cyber incidents. Believe that. Check them out at barricadecyber.com. 
Catch them outside. How about that? BarricadeCyber.com can absolutely help you deal with a hot mess express. But don't sleep on Panopsi security. They are operating left of boom. The protect, the identify, the getting yourself prepped before bad happens. Get a partner who understands your cyber program and your business goals, whether you need something tactical like a tabletop exercise, enterprise risk assessment, something of that ilk, or perhaps more strategic like long-term 2024, 2025 planning, budget allocation, resourcing, whatever it is that you need with your cyber program, don't be shy. Panopsi.com can absolutely get you straightened out. Connect with Brandon Poole, P-O-O-L-E, on LinkedIn, and you'll know more about what I'm talking about. Also want to say shout out and love to Anti-Siphon, but more about them at the mid-roll. Also, bonus shout out, everybody that's in the SOC core skills uh, class over at Anti-Siphon this week. I hope you're getting massive value from it. And I want you to know that the LinkedIn stream is down. Hmm. Well, it looks like if you're over on LinkedIn, you can't hear this, but come over to YouTube. We are up over there. Um, and folks, if you can, I don't know, maybe if someone can go over to the LinkedIn feed and just drop a link to the YouTube, get those folks over here, make sure we get everybody in, get everybody taken care of. Um, the SOC core skills, uh, folks, uh, I saw a video yesterday of an absolute raid, an absolute simply cyber raid on the SOC core skills class. Uh, love it. Love it. Love it. Thank you all so very much. Genuinely appreciate it. Now, I want you to know we're not just having fun here. We are working. Every single episode of the Daily Cyber Threat Brief is worth half a CPE or CEU, depending on what you like to call it. But the TLDR, the too long didn't read is, say what's up in chat, hashtag Team SC. Jay and Michelle knows that you guys crushed it at Anti-Siphon. Hashtag Team SC in chat, just like Jay and Michelle just did. And um, screenshot it, right? screenshot it and uh, file it away and then you'll be able to know uh, God I'm getting all distracted between production mods uh, audio LinkedIn and stuff like that basically half a CP say what's up in chat take a screenshot file it away and when it's time to um, register your CEUs all you have to do is count up the number of files multiply it by 0.5 and you are off and running I do want to say solid move if it is your first time here and you're like, what is this guy on? It's clearly more than coffee. Well, welcome to the party, pal. This is what we're doing every single morning. This is all natural. Chat is on fire. The music's lit. Everything is good to go. And we're all about good times. So if it's your first day here on the stream, maybe you're just checking it out. Say hashtag first timer in chat. No pressure. But we love to welcome our new friends and say hello we have a special sound effect for you we have a special emote for you we love welcoming new people with open arms and letting them know that they're part of the situation so say hashtag first timer in chat i'm seeing linkedin is fine thank you team for checking that out definitely appreciate it also the sub the sub faction team of yeet I got to tell you, uh, before we get into the news, all the first-timers, welcome to the party, pal. I see John McLean welcoming all those first-timers who are a little shy to say what's up. Guys, I got to tell you, I absolutely love, love, hey, Arrow Cool. Arrow Cool is first-timer. Welcome to the party, pal. I love it. Yeah, oh, no, you're welcome. You're welcome here, 
So check this out. Hey, really quick. I love the uh, factions that have come out underneath the Simply Cyber. Um, we've got the GRC Study Hall. We've got Slay Security Plus. We've got the Yeet Crew. Um, um, God, uh, there's a... Um, Jesus, there's another one that's just escaping my mind. I'm sorry. But uh, yeah, anyways, I love it. Hey, Caroline Bodema. Uh, Caroline Bodema. Welcome to the party, Caroline. It's good to see you. Robert Smith, first timer. Welcome to the party. Oh, yeah. It's all about good times up in here. But guess what? As fun as it is, as much as I love flipping out in front of this microphone, we do have work to do, y'all. So do me a solid. Sit back, relax, and let's let the cool sounds of the hot news wash over us in an awesome wave. From the CISO series, it's cybersecurity headlines. Let's go. These are the cybersecurity headlines for Tuesday, February 6, 2024. I'm Rich Straffolino. Spoutable API vulnerability leaks user data. Spoutable is one of the innumerable social networks that popped up in late 2022 after Elon Musk bought the company, then known as Twitter. Security researcher Troy Hunt detailed a vulnerability in its API, finding attackers could use it to obtain a username, a real name, email address, IP address, and phone number. In a statement, Spoutable said the API didn't leak decrypted passwords, but Hunt found it could be used to obtain hash passwords, 2FA codes, and reset tokens. Effectively, this provides all the tools needed to take over accounts without alerting the user. Spoutable patched the API as of February 4th. Both the company and Hunt recommend resetting passwords and enabling 2FA. Okay. So, I mean, th at this, that should be like a shirt or a bumper sticker. Reset passwords, enable 2FA. Spoiler alert, you should have had 2FA enabled before. Spoiler, spoiler alert, companies should require, can we normalize 2FA, please? Can we normalize it? I get, here's the thing, businesses don't want to require 2FA for their client, or their customers because it introduces friction and businesses are terrified that if we introduce friction, then we're going to lose. We're going to lose that straight cash, homie. We're going to need, uh, they're going to go to our competitors. But guess what? If we all all required 2FA, then it wouldn't, it would be like, no matter where you go, you got 2FA. So first of all, that sucks. Second of all, this was covered in yesterday's news. So I'm not going to go too deep on this, but essentially an unsecured API was allowed to be enumerated, which once you discover an API, if you, if you, if there's no API throttling, um, hold on first, let me tell you what's going on. And then I'll tell you how controls could actually fix this. So basically, threat actors or whomever, security researchers, could enumerate this API and just pull data down. Think of it the same as like a SQL injection where you can just dump um, all the contents of a database um, to the screen, right? It's the same thing, except you're querying an API, application programming interface that allows software to interface with applications instead of a human interface. All right. So you were able to pull all this information, including hashed passwords. Now, what is the problem with this? You guys know I love putting on my GRC hat. And for Caroline and the other first-timers here, Robert, um, I'm a big GRC wonk. I have a bumper sticker that says enable MFA and one that says think my driving is bad. You should see my SPRS score. <laughs> we just become best friends. Yep. Thank you so much, Priceless Pancake, for the uh, super chat and the joke. I love it. Uh, so, hey, guys, check it out. Um a, a hash password. I saw, I don't know if this is the same hack or not. I suspect it is, but Spoutable actually had a 
maximum number of characters your password can be, which is another thing that pisses me off. Sorry, Kennedy. A little early for a swear jar, but sorry. It, it bothers me when businesses put a maximum character like you can. Oh, your password's too long. What? Why? Why? Why are you doing that? Okay. So anyways, this, if you, this bcrypt hash password, if you're confining it to 10 characters or less or eight characters or less, well, then you've made the set of possible passwords smaller for a threat actor to either um, enumerate, rainbow table, uh, brute force attempt, the, all these things, right? And bcrypt is a known um, hashing algorithm as far as I know. So it, it's not unrealistic to do this. Now, additionally, for individuals and yet another reason why we as professionals should be using password vaults and not reusing passwords and how you could use this to educate your end users. This one's a little complicated for typical non-technical end users, but basically if your password was used in spoutable, that password's burnt. I don't care if it was hash or bcrypt, your uh, bcrypt, your password is compromised. So like you can just burn that like, like, um, you know, like like some international espionage uh, um, asset that you had. Like, oh, it's totally burnt. It's in the wind. Like, you can't use that password anymore because when they crack it, they're going to look at your username and your password, and then they're going to use it all over the place. Facebook, Chase.com, Gmail. Like, they're going to try everywhere with that. That's why it's burnt. And, oh, by the way, if you have poor password hygiene, like you reuse it all over the place, that's why 2FA is a thing, okay? So anyways, this is pretty gross for Spoutable. They had fixed it. One other thing I'll mention, if you are dealing with APIs at your business, if you're a security person at a business that has applications or technology that you're writing, um, like a tech startup or software company that has APIs, one thing that you should consider is um, like throttle. I mean, you could throttle APIs. Here's the thing. If you have it do like, um, you know, I don't know, like a hundred queries a second or a hundred queries a minute or something like that. Like something that's managed, um, you might be able to prevent some type of script from just scraping all of your data out. I will say that it really does depend on what the business is and what the use is. Like if you're, um, if you are got an API into like some type of financial stock market data, that really needs to come rapidly. So the chances are you might have thousands, tens of thousands of API queries um, a minute. Uh, so you can't really throttle it in all the cases. But I, what I, another thing I would say is requiring an API key and then based on who's asking for the API key, right? So um, throttling it that way. So basically like, let's pretend that, um, uh, what, what's a good one? Uh, like, let's say CNN finance, right? Like just to make up one, they ask for an API key cause they're going to be pulling, you know, thousands a second. Well, that's approved and that's authorized and you checked it out and it's vetted and it's probably not going to get abused. But if there's some random Joe law, you know, registers an API key and then starts banging on your thing, like, oh, whoa, whoa, hold the, hold, hold it up here. Like, let's, let's throttle it back here and make sure that this is appropriate. So you can do kind of different levels of permissions. It's not really permissions, but it's like frequency of API query. Okay, that's that's it for uh, for my API rant. Illicit service cranks out fake IDs. 404 Media's Joseph Cox profiled only fake, which claims to use neural networks to create realistic fake IDs for about $15. 
This allowed the reporter to instantly create a convincing California driver's license with arbitrary information on it. This ID then passed an identity verification process on the cryptocurrency exchange OKX. The service also advertises on Telegram its ability to generate other faked identity documents. The service also adds appropriate metadata to make photos of the faked IDs appear legitimate, things like device, time, date, and location information. Suit. All right, so here we go. <laughs> Hold on one second. So uh, apparently, this you know, there's a streamlined website uh, that can help you make um, fake IDs. Um, essentially it's called streamline or only fake. I've actually seen a lot of people coming up with this. Uh, Michelle Khan actually has like a Donald Trump Kazakhstan one. Um, I've seen some other ones essentially. And for those who are listening on the audio pod, I've brought up McLovin's, um, ID, um, just, just a, just a fun little, uh, callback, uh, to yesteryear. So, this ID that we're looking at right now is uh, a illegitimate ID. Why is this an issue? Well, I don't know if they're physically making the IDs or if it's just um, the illusion of an ID. But uh, the, the 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 TLDR here is that when you're registering bank accounts online, like whether it's a, a Binance account or Capital One or whatever, um, one of the know your customer requirements is getting a copy of their driver's license, right? And a lot of times you'll take a picture with it, holding it up or whatever. Um, this is a fraudulent driver's license, but completely looks legitimate. Like it's got the little watermark stuff. It's totally on brand. This would pa pass any type of visual um, inspection, okay? Again, I don't know, mods, if you know... Um, if you know um, if they will generate this on an actual physical card and send it to you, that would be interesting. Um, but yeah, so this is, I mean, this is, this is, this is the impact of AI. I mean, this is what it is, right? Technology is advancing very, very quickly. Uh, essentially, it, uh, here's my prediction, tinfoil hat, okay? Here's my prediction. It will be, it'll move very quickly, very quickly. But I think within the next, like, this will hit mainstream media. Okay. So like right now, this story is just circling in our orbit. Okay. But once it breaks free of our orbit and gets mainstream, it'll be a matter of like weeks before lawmakers start losing their mind about, um, about this. And then maybe a month later. So I'll, I'll predict like April, May timeframe. State level, um, state level uh, policy will start coming in because it moves quicker than feds um, around needing additional validation besides driver's license. And then the feds by the summer will, um, this won't be worth it for know your customer and they'll have some type of other um, validation requirement. Uh, but very, very interesting. Very, very cool. Um, I suspect this is going to blow up, um, blow up like you think I could. Or think I would. Same number. Call the crib. Same number. Same hood. Um, so, anyways, yeah. Get your fake ID here. Um, I would warn you. Uh, I would warn you. One thing is, uh, if you're looking to get um, a job in uh, federal U.S. federal space of uh, security clearances and stuff, you may want to steer clear of of, of buying one of these yourself. Um, I don't know what the laws are as far as like purchasing a fake ID 
versus using a fake ID. I don't know if if there's any like this isn't a legal show in any capacity, uh, but I don't know if just owning a fake ID is considered illegal. Um, so it certainly would be interesting. Um, but there you go. Coming to Windows, the sudo terminal command is a standard in Linux, allowing lower privileged users to execute as root or with other elevated roles without giving them full access. Now, a leaked insider version of Windows Server 2025 shows a new setting for a Windows sudo command. This build shows the feature available by enabling developer mode and doesn't actually seem to work. The setting panel just has an option for it. As an insider preview build, it remains unclear if Microsoft will ship the feature, and there's no evidence Microsoft plans to bring the feature to Windows 11. All right, Microsoft's bringing sudo to Windows Server. Okay, hold on. Windows Server 2025. So, like, let's just be real. I'm gonna call. I'm gonna call you out. I know. I know many of you listening to this right now. There's 434 of us here. Some of you are gonna feel like I'm targeting you. But this says Windows Server 2025. So if you're still running Windows 2008 R2, you're not getting the sudo command and you do need to migrate. I know it's a massive schema change. Okay, I see you, <laughs> but you got to migrate. You got to do it. All right, so um, I don't know what the sudo is going to do. Like, so here's the deal. In the world of Linux, if you don't know, sudo basically allows you to execute a command as root without logging into root, right? So basically it, it it escalates permissions or escalates privileges for the instance of executing at that moment. Um, in Windows, they don't have root, they don't have sudo. So typically if you've ever like right clicked on something and ran as administrator, like you've probably seen that, that's essentially the same thing as doing sudo on something. Uh, it looks like Microsoft's adding this as just a quality of life type thing. That's it. Um, it's not like, I, I will say like Windows has uh, Windows subsystem Linux on uh, endpoints, WSL, um, it, but you don't have kernel access in WSL, which I've run into problems with, um, but you do run sudo in WSL. So the TLDR here is basically a, a common Linux command is coming to a Windows server simply for quality of life of end users if I had to put my finger on it. Okay, let's go. U.S. sanctions Iranians over cyber attacks. The U.S. Department of the Treasury's Office of Foreign Asset Control announced sanctions against six senior officials in the Iranian Islamic Revolutionary Guard Corps Cyber Electronic Command. The U.S. identified that agency as responsible for December 2023 attacks against Unitronics programmable logic controllers. The IRGC used its Cyber Avengers persona in these attacks, mostly targeting water plants. The sanctions block all U.S.-based assets from these individuals and puts criminal penalties on companies doing business with them. All right. So, uh, Justin Gold. Let's get, let's get Justin Gold out here, everybody. Justin Gold, everybody. Justin Gold, if you guys don't know, Justin Gold is our Simply Cyber community member representing water critical infrastructure. Um, U.S. slams Iran. Uh, there's been multiple attacks on water, um, which I know sounds silly, but like water really is not only a critical infrastructure, but it's damn important for humans, um, both from like a sanitary perspective and from uh, a life perspective, right? Like we drink water to live. Uh, we use water to function. 
So this is, uh, yeah, there's Justin Cole. <laughs> um, so, so anyways, I, you know, us has slammed Iran like this. What is this? This isn't, um, this isn't like a rap battle where, um, you know, that guy from Onyx is like, slam but like that's not what's happening what does this mean one country slamming another what are they like publicly chastising them does that do anything for iran they're issuing sanctions against iran okay um what kind of sanctions iran and the united states aren't really bffs anyways um the sanctions were announced against six iranians for last year's cyber attack again here we go with a, a, a country issuing sanctions against individuals. What does this do? Is th this is like the most saber-rattling thing I can think of, right? Now, how about you issue an indictment for them so they can get arrested if they enter into um, territories of the United States or United States countries that um, have an extradition uh, agreement in place? Like, that's something, but sanctions? Bro, like, okay, so what? Like one of these six Iranians can't trade petroleum with the United States at a at a nation state level? I mean, what what does that do? I I I hate that. I'm sorry. I just it's annoying to me. Um let's see. Uh the United States will not tolerate actions and will use its full range of tools to hold the perpetrators to account. Okay. Um I'm totally on board. Here's my thing. I, I will tell you this, okay? I will tell you this. This is definitely posturing. Um, the United States has a very, very advanced intel capability, okay? I have no doubt. I mean, they actually sanctioned six Iranians. So they know exactly who the six are. They know what they did. They know how they did it. They're probably keeping eyes on them. So hopefully, you know, like, here's my thing. You want to deter. Iran and these Iranians from doing it again, right? Like that's the whole reason we have a justice system. It is to deter people from doing things by making, by having punishments that you don't want to experience if you get caught doing them. So is this going to do that? Is, is this going to deter these Iranians from targeting water critical infrastructure in the United States? I don't know. I, I don't, I don't see why? Like, honestly, like, if you think about it, like, from a motivation perspective, what is the incentive to not do it? Anyways, I'm glad that there's some formal response from the United States. I think it's a little uh, light or toothless. Um, I would genuinely appreciate anyone in chat who has other perspectives or other opinions. That includes people watching on replay around this story. If if there's something I'm missing about how this actually will change anything from the threat actors attacking U.S. critical infrastructure. Um, I would love your thoughts. I'm, I'm certainly not, um, you know, I don't know everything and I'm, you know, and I don't, I don't research this in advance. So now a word from our sponsor, Fanta. From dozens of spreadsheets and screenshots to fragmented tools and manual security reviews, managing the requirements for modern compliance and security programs is increasingly challenging. Vanta is the leading trust management platform that helps you centralize your efforts to establish trust and enable growth across your organization. Over 6,000 companies partner with Vanta to automate compliance, strengthen security posture, streamline security reviews, and reduce third-party risk. To learn more 
Go to Vanta.com slash CISO and watch their three-minute product demo. That's V-A-N-T-A dot com slash CISO. Meta's oversight board. All right, it's the mid-roll. Hey, 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 hey. Ooh. All right, everybody. Hey, you first-timers like Caroline and Robert. This is the mid-roll where we listen to Simple Minds. It's the hashtag Simply Cyber Breakfast Club. Guys, if you're getting value from the show, entertainment value, educational value, uh, thank you, Christina Paulika. Christina Paulika weighing in, saying that they're sanctioning any companies who work with those individuals, so attacking their support system. Excellent point. Thank you. Guys, if you get an educational entertainment value, hit the like button, please. It, on YouTube, it goes a long way to help other people find the show. Basically, it triggers the YouTube algorithm. It's all about good times. Shout out to the stream sponsors. Thank you, Barricade Cyber. Thank you, Panopsi Security. And thank you, Anti-Siphon Training. Guys, many of you are in the SOC Core Skills class right now, and you already know how valuable Anti-Siphon Training is. But for those of you who don't know, let me tell you, Anti-Siphon Training is disrupting the traditional cybersecurity training industry by providing high-quality, cutting-edge education to everyone, every single one of you, regardless of your financial position. They offer students the opportunity to learn skills, practice what is taught and engage with the community in a fun and inclusive way it's absolutely amazing i love anti-siphon training i am a huge fan of anti-siphon training in fact i find it an absolute privilege and uh like a, a delight that they want to sponsor simply cyber uh because i would be standing on the hilltops shouting out praises for anti-siphon and black hills infosec so use the links in the description below. Go check them out. They have tons of training at $0 or very, very affordable. And it's always all about good times. So get in there. And if you are in the soft core skills with John Strand this week, I saw the Simply Cyber Raid in chat. You guys absolutely dominated it. It, it, it warmed my heart. I'm so happy that so many of you are getting um, the opportunity to take advantage of this amazing uh, learning experience. All right. Hey, every single uh, day we do the Simply Cyber Daily, uh, uh, Simply Cyber Community Challenge. And today is no different. Uh, guys, the Simply Cyber Community Challenge is an opportunity for you to spend five minutes a day and be able to blow up your professional network really, really quickly. How do you do it? Well, simply go on to Simply, um, go on to LinkedIn and search for the hashtag Simply Cyber Community Challenge. And when you find it, connect with the people who are posting and comment on their post and then connect with the people in comments that's it comment on the post connect with the commenter and the, uh, the poster in the comments and you will blow up your network now travis connor currently posted yesterday's post so travis connor has the baton if travis connor would be so kind as to tag somebody if you would like to take the baton if you would like to be the person to post your cyber story how you found Simply Cyber, what you're doing, what are your goals? And use the hashtag Simply Cyber Community Challenge and let the network connect with you. Please raise your hand in chat. Travis Connor, please tag somebody. We would genuinely appreciate it. Take advantage of this opportunity. You don't want to miss out. All right, guys, every single day of the week has a special segment. And Tuesdays is Tidbits Tuesday, where I share a little bit about me. 
And uh, this one uh, came across my wire this morning. My son Grayson suggested it as a Tidbits Tuesday, and I loved it. I got messaged last night that HelpNet Security, HelpNet Security, it's a pretty big uh, website. They did a review of the 10 must-read books for 2024, and I'm very, very honored and proud to say that my book, Cybersecurity Career Master Plan, was number two on the list. You can see right there, I did this book with Jax, John Helmus, and Kim Wynn, and um, I'm just really, really honored. I, I did that book last year or, or a year and a half ago. It was a labor of love. It has helped a lot of people. I've had a lot of people message me uh, with how it impacted them in a positive way. And it, it wasn't like I was, I didn't submit to be on this list. I didn't even know about it until they messaged me, but um, it's just really cool. And I'm, I'm proud of it. So I wanted to share that. Um, I want, like, I'm proud of it. So I wanted to share with you guys, cause you're, you're my community, frankly. Um, so there we go. All right, let's get back to the news y'all. Okay. Oh, let's get back to the news y'all. Board calls on changes to manipulated media <laughs> policy. This came as part of a decision from the board agreeing with Meta's decision not to remove a misleadingly edited video of U.S. President Joe Biden. The board sided with Meta as, under its narrowly defined policy, the video wasn't edited by AI tools and featured obvious edits. Even in agreement, the board called on changes to the policy ahead of 2024 elections. It said Meta should focus on specific harms it wants to prevent rather than on a video's method of creation. It also called on extending the policy to audio as well as video content. You wow. Okay. Um, so this is, again, this show is not a political show. I do try to stay out of those waters, although obviously we do touch on these things from time to time. So here's the deal. Somebody went in and modified a file of, of Joe Biden placing an I voted sticker on a, I assume, uh, an 18 year old or young woman or whatever. And they basically looped it. So it looks like he's touching her chest. And then they, they added audio about him, uh, being a, uh, an adult who touches children. Okay. So wildly inappropriate, obviously, but meta says, listen, um, it wasn't edited with AI. It's obviously been modified. Uh, we're not going to take it down. Um, as I think about this, okay. Obviously, it's malicious. So you could argue that they're taking it down, not because it's Joe Biden, but because it's malicious and it's 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 suggesting that he's committed a crime. Also, but if you think about it, like what if someone takes a video of uh, someone, um, I don't know, doing something, and they put them in a car driving or something like that, like like. With things like this, it is this seems like an obvious one to remove, but it starts to become kind of a slippery slope of. What is, um, what gets policed, what gets censored, all these things. Um, I mean, obviously this is kind of an abuse of freedom of speech, but, um, so I'd really have to think on, you, you really have to think on all the ramifications of, uh, making sweeping, um, policy decisions on what gets taken down and what gets taken, what doesn't get taken down. Right. So, um, this is not really a cybersecurity story at all. I, I, I'm actually a little, uh, I don't want to say annoyed, but it's its a little frustrating when the stories that come through are not necessarily um, cybersecurity. But <clears throat> um, this is very uh, uh, current and socially relevant, especially with all the AI. We saw just yesterday of um, deep faked $25 million business email compromise. So, I mean, we're, we're, you know, we're just one step further away from like a deep fake person doing something and, and then edited 
um, doing something horrible, right? So, you know, the policies need to be consistent. That That's my thing. Like, here's my thing. With any policy, especially with a company like Meta that's so big and has so much data and, and, and information that needs to be uh, reviewed and policed, you have to be consistent in your execution of those policies. And if you're just making like wide sweeping changes, you start, you can start to become more of a, not a police state, but like, it, it just gets slippery. Again, I have, this is not something that I want to comment on with like quick shooting from the hip thoughts. To me, commenting on something like this requires careful thought and, and like, you know, really for me personally, I would have to think about this and really deliberate on what my opinion is of this. Um, obviously on the surface, I, I think, I, I think it's like, I think it's terrible. It sucks that this is the current state of affairs where like, this is something that people want to do in the first place. Um, but you know, using AI to review police body cam footage. What's this, Jonathan Lindsay? Would you not call this social engineering? Oh yeah, no, there's no question that this is intended to um, incite people, get people uh, frothed up, not look beyond um, the obvious manipulation of this video, and you know, just kind of reinforce echo chambers. Um, so this isn't really, I wouldn't really call this um, social engineering. I mean, it's it's not, it's kind of social engineering, but I would almost call this more like. Um, Disinformation PSYOPs campaign. Yeah. ProPublica published a report on the challenge of reviewing video footage from body-worn cameras on police officers, citing that Axon, the largest provider of police camera video storage, now stores over 100 petabytes of video. It highlighted the Patterson, New Jersey Police Department using a contract with Trulio that offers AI processing tools letting administrators identify patterns of behavior or review pre-flagged videos from body cams. It also highlighted research efforts from universities to address the problem, as well as commercial competitors like Polis Solutions, DARPA spinoff, Truststat. Microsoft. All right. <clears throat> so I think this is, um, I think I think this needs to happen. I think this is uh, what we need to do. Okay, so check this out. Here's the deal. This is the difference. This is the difference between, um, this is the difference between um, a concept and an idea and all of the, uh, like fanfare that goes with a technology or a, a paradigm shift versus the reality. Okay. So check this out. The reality is all police or not all, but like, let's just say all to make it simple. All police wear this like chest body camera. And the idea is that now a cop or a police officer can't throw um, a bag of drugs like at your feet and then be like, Oh, look what just fell out of your pocket. Uh, or, um, uh, you know, they can't do even worse things like, um, you know, like put their knee on your neck, right? Like just, you know, to, 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 to touch on a very, um, sensitive, serious topic that happened uh, a couple years ago. Uh, so anyways, the point is the body cameras were supposed to provide transparency, accountability, and essentially watch the watchers, right? And, and help drive down um, police that were abusing their authority, abusing their power, uh, hold accountability, make sure that if there was any like indisputable, if there was disputable uh, evidence of like what transpired between a uh, person who got arrested and uh, law enforcement who did the arresting, 
then you could have indisputable video evidence. Okay, so that was the promise. It sounded like a banger of an idea, right? Um, but in reality, there's so much freaking footage that no one's reviewing it. According to this story, there's over 25 million copies of the movie Barbie worth of data, just to kind of put it in perspective. Um, that's just amassed, right? So there's all this data and no one's looking for it. But one company is suggesting for 50 grand a year, which is nothing. Like, I know that's a lot of money um, for individuals, but for like a municipality, for a government, like 50 grand is like nothing um, for what this service is. But what they're saying is we can use AI to review the footage at faster than any human possibly can and look for specific types of behaviors. And you're allowed to select which um, behaviors you want. So like, let's say you want to look for, um, you know, manipulation, like done. You want to look for planting evidence done or whatever. Right. So I think it's really awesome. I hope they end up doing this to me. It sounds like a total gap in everything. Like we, as uh, public citizens spent, um, probably millions of dollars outfitting all these body cameras all over the place. And if they're not doing anything, well, then what's the point, right? It's like to put this into a cyber story, it's the equivalent. And this does happen. And if you, if you take my cyber 101 course, you'll see me flip out about it. But this does happen. I have seen it multiple times in my career where someone will, will buy a next gen firewall or you'll buy some sick you know, intrusion detection system plug it in. And then like, you don't have the talent or skill to tune it. You don't have the budget to pay someone to come in and tune it who has the skills. And you basically just configure it as a pass-through device. And then you spend an A load of money on nothing. It looks cool. It's got a different color in the server rack, right? It's, it's bright blue or it's bright yellow. You can see where your security technology is racked and stacked. Ooh, I'm so hot. Yes, sir. Look at my cool, fancy looking server rack, but it's not doing anything. It's not delivering any security or risk reduction. It's kind of what's happening here. So, um, you know, I'm always talking about doom and gloom here with AI. This is one use case where AI is pretty dope. Like, yes, give me some of that. Like, serve it up. Shall we play? Game? Collaborates with news orgs to use Gen AI. The company announced these new collaborations built as a way to help these organizations refine policy around AI usage, train reporters on these new tools, and find ways to build newsroom efficiencies. <laughs> this will include research tools from Semaphore's Breaking Newsfeed Signals, a tuition-free program for using these tools at the Craig Newmark Graduate School of Journalism, and support for the AI newsroom tool company, Noda. These organizations will receive support from Microsoft and commit to share findings with the wider industry. All right. I'm going to have to rename this show the Daily AI Threat Briefing. Like, uh, just another non-cyber story. Um, dude, AI, I love myself some AI. I use AI uh, in some of my workflows. But it just sucks the air out of any room, any conversation, any podcast. You say AI and it's like... Shall we play a game? Yeah, let's play a game of not talking about AI all the time. All right, so let's talk about AI here. Um, I guess journalists are using AI uh, to improve their curriculum. Okay. 
So I guess just throw this on the fire of like other use cases for AI. I, sorry, moving on to the next story. Like there's not, I can't do anything with this story. I've spent an entire career and like several degrees zeroing in on cybersecurity. And, and that's why I can do this show with no prep. I, ca I can't do anything with this <laughs> with no prep. Do of anti-zero day under mass exploitation. Last week, we reported on a new server-side request forgery zero-day disclosed by Avanti, impacting its Connect Secure and Policy Secure offerings. This allows attackers to bypass authentication and access system resources. The monitoring service Shadow Server reports seeing over 170 attacking IPs now targeting the exploit, far exceeding attacks against previously disclosed zero-days. The security firm Rapid7 released proof-of-concept code for the flaws on February 2nd, but Shadow Server reported seeing a rise in exploits hours prior to that release. All right, hold on one second. This is uh, this is very interesting. Really quickly, really quick. Hey, Space Tacos with the eight month. Love it. Okay, so check it out. Um, let me see this really quickly. So. In an emergency directive, here, check this out. Like, I'm, I'm tying a couple things together really quickly. So, CISA, um, really quickly, Our Lady of Cybersecurity, Jenny Sterling. Yeah, let's get her up here. I swear to God, if we ever have, um, oh, by the way, uh, Rex, thanks for the super chat. Did we just become best friends? Yep. Rex filed the Turing test. Hey, if we ever have uh, Jenny Sterling on the channel, I swear to God, I'm not going to be Chris Farley in that SNL skit where he like interviews uh, at least Paul McCartney. He's like, you remember that? I'm going to be like, hey, hey, Jen, you remember that time you issued that emergency directive um, on mitigating Avanti Connect Secure? <laughs> that was cool. Like that's I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to do that. Uh, but anyways, check this out. January 31st, 2024. Um, CISA releases an emergency directive emergency they don't do this very often but the emergency directive is you need to shut off your avanti devices by friday night or uh and i can't pull up a calendar right now which is super annoying um what date was friday around the 31st um basically they said i think this came out on a thursday they said um you know you just shut everything off by friday and I mean, it seemed like a, a major directive. And like, obviously I actually said at the time, I thought it was generous that they were saying it needs to be shut off by Friday. I thought it should have been shut off by now. One of those few times that you turn into John Taffer and you just scream, shut it down. Um, now looking at this, where's the story? If you look at the story, um, mass exploitation, that's not, um, they're not using the term mass here um hyperbolically okay mass exploitation of a zero day that seems like they have a pretty good uh thank you friday the second okay so it was a two-day window uh where avanti warned about um the gateway being exploitable so this is an internet facing technology that the u.s government was using in addition to other businesses and it had it says limited active exploitation but I guarantee you, Avanti back-channeled to the U.S. government and said, it's actually quite nasty. You really need to get this sorted out. Uh, these are obviously clear channels, uh, back-end uh, conversations that are happening outside of the public space. But now, um, 
it, here's my thing. This is really gross. And hopefully uh, people in the Simply Cyber community aren't impacted. And, you know, one degree of separation from us aren't impacted. But Avanti has been a hot mess dumpster fire for well over two weeks, I would say. I don't remember the first day that this thing came out, but Avanti's been a absolute crap show for weeks. So if you're running Avanti and this has not raised to your level of importance or urgency, then I would, I'm very supportive and inclusive, but this is like, at this point, it's unacceptable. If you're running Avanti and you haven't escalated this as an urgent matter, if you're here listening to this now, instead of dealing with Avanti, um, I would strongly recommend that you revisit revisit the priorities and escalate this to the very top. This is gross. This is wide open mass exploitation. It's trivial to scan the internet and find these things. You can use Shodan. You can use your own tools. Um, if they get through your VPN, they're on your on internal network. And who knows what's happening after that? I would think that we're going to hear about some major um, cyber attacks in the near future, right? In the next month or so, uh, major cyber attacks. DEFCON 32 canceled and uncanceled. The organizers of DEFCON announced that the annual conference was in peril after its venue for the last 25 years, Caesars in Las Vegas, abruptly terminated its contract, leaving it without a home seven months before the event. After looking for an alternative venue able to handle its size, the organizers announced it will still take place from August 8th through 11th at the Las Vegas Convention Center, with workshops and training at the Sahara. The hype. All right. So uh, really quick, this is hot mess. Dumpster fire is Z-Mess rot name. All right. Uh, you We'll get a group together with you, Joe Hudson, Tyler Ramsby. And um, we'll, we'll get like, uh, we can do like one of those rap circles, like in the Onyx slam video. Um, anyways, that, that, that's a project to work on. Uh, so this, this is a very big story. Uh, Defcon. DEFCON is a major conference. Okay. So if you don't know, like to me, like this is <laughs> DEFCON is essentially like the level of ubiquity as the CIA triad. Like if you don't know about DEFCON, uh, like what a, what a privilege to be able to introduce you to it. DEFCON has long been one of the most apex cybersecurity conferences for practitioners. It was really more geared initially for um, like hackers and, you know, curious, uh, you know, gray hats and security researchers and stuff. But over the years, it has quickly evolved into um, very chill. It's got all sorts of different villages now. I, I would almost argue, not argue, I, you know, I would stand firm on the fact that DEF CON is a conference of conferences now. All the villages, uh, there's like a blue team village, a red team village, um, industrial control village, avionics village, car hacking village, election village, privacy village. Um, there, there's, uh, there, um, there's all sorts of villages. Okay. Uh, and they're all their own little independent conferences as well. Um, so it's a massive conference. Okay. And it always follows black hat, uh, the same week. So it's the end of, uh, it's the first week of August this year. Um, so having said all that, um, it is kind of weird that Caesars would cancel this conference. Um, out of the blue, um, I you know we organized simply CyberCon, which was a two-track virtual conference, and it had a lot of logistics. Okay, asking um, the DefCon committee 
to organize a 30,000 person conference with, you know, all different villages and all these other things is a massive undertaking. And for them to be able to get canceled and then very quickly, um, I don't have the dates here on how quickly they were able to turn it around, but to be able to quickly turn it around is amazing. Now, I've already heard some people kind of complain, like InfoSec Twitter was like a, all a buzz yesterday about where people were staying, et cetera. I do want to point out really quickly, um, Jason Haddix, if you don't follow Jay Haddix on Twitter, he's a really good follow. I like Jason. Uh, but he actually um, had, he, he has some like chat GPT homegrowns that he built for himself, but he published on Twitter. He asked chat GPT where he should stay and pros and cons for this conference this year. And it's a nice little list of like 12 different locations with like a perk and a downside for each venue. So I actually, I liked it on Twitter, but like I flagged it for follow-up later. I actually put in my little, my little rocket book notebook for today's to-dos is to book my uh, hotel and uh, travel for Black Cat DEF CON. I'll be at Black Cat DEF CON if you want to high five. Um, we will do a Simply Cyber Community Meetup. Anyways, long story short, Great job by the DEFCON committee. Um, I love um, I love the the I love the intent and the experience and the vibes in the community of DEFCON. There's a lot about DEFCON I do not like. Um, ask me in person or catch me outside. Catch me outside. How about that? There's a lot about DEFCON I don't like, but one thing I will say that I'm optimistic about is that it is being held at the Las Vegas Convention Center. One of the big problems with um, the, the current DEF CON is that it's at like a bunch of different hotels. It's very difficult to navigate. It's frustrating. Like if I want to like sync up with somebody and they're like, oh, I'm at Blue Team Village, but I'm at Red Team Village, it literally might be like a 30-minute walk, which is, you know, it, it, it sucks. Um, so... The convention center, everything will be in one place. I'm sure it'll be uh, easier to navigate, easier to connect. There'll be an actual food court instead of, if you've gone to DEF CON, you know how frustrating it is getting food and dealing with all that nonsense. So I'm excited. Um, I'm optimistic. And uh, I hope I hope it's a good one, man. I'm, I'm looking forward to it. All right. So way to go. Um, you can also get a DEFCON. They're actually selling this t-shirt right now. I thought about getting it for like five seconds and then I decided not to, but they're selling this t-shirt. Remember in 2020, DEFCON has canceled um, uh, shirt. So, hey, for our, our resident Vegas people, if you have any thoughts um, on, on any of this, please chime in. Um, I don't want to call you out specifically. I mean, many of you know who the Vegas people are, but I uh, would love your thoughts on any of this. Um, I probably, um, it's not a popular option, but I will probably be staying at the Luxor, um, simply because, um, I go to black hat too, and I'm going to have a bunch of gear with me, uh, for simply cyber production stuff. And it'll, it, it just be a nightmare to take that stuff on like the tram or something like that. All right. So check it, check it out now. Let's do this. All right, guys, it's 8.55. We're rounding out the show. I just want to remind everybody, today at 1 p.m. is my new podcast, Cyber Starters. If you're interested in entrepreneurship, starting your own cyber side hustle, whatever, it's more than just the technical execution of doing the cyber stuff. There's a lot to it. It can be challenging. 
I have skinned my knee and scraped my elbows and made a lot of mistakes that I've learned from. And if you are interested in launching your own business or anything, um, like I want to help you not make the same mistakes that I made. Uh, Ryan Larrick, he's the CEO of Nuvik. He's my co-host. We're, we're bringing all sorts of uh, knowledge bombs. I love it when you guys come out and support the stream. Uh, it'll be one o'clock today, so definitely come out and check that out. I also want to remind everybody that this Thursday, we've got a major um, a major show coming on for Simply Cyber Live. Jack Recider from Darknet Diaries is coming on this Thursday to be my guest. And uh, we're going to talk Darknet Diaries and all the good things, so come check that out. It is Thursday. or No, it's Tuesday. I wish it was Thursday. It's Tuesday, and I'm wearing my Citadel shirt, and I got my Citadel mug, and I'm going to go be teaching. I'm going to go teach the Citadel cadets. We're talking malware today. Going there. Let me just check really quickly. All right. So, yeah, I've got to get going. Hey, guys, I really enjoyed the stream. I definitely love hanging out. Uh, you know, obviously, while uh, school is in session, I can't jaw jack on Tuesdays and Thursdays. But simply, uh, simply put, I had a great experience. I hope you all did, too. I look forward to uh, 1 o'clock today for Cyber Starters, and I look forward to seeing you tomorrow at 8 a.m. Eastern for Wednesday's Daily Cyber Threat Briefing Worldwide Wednesday. Let's go. All right, guys. Be well, and until next time, stay secure. If you enjoyed that content, keep the cybersecurity train going by connecting with the other Simply Cyber community resources. We have the Discord server that's lively and always keeps the conversation going. You can connect with me directly on LinkedIn. And also, every single weekday morning on the Simply Cyber channel, we're doing live daily cyber threat briefings, 8 a.m. Eastern Time, as well as Thursday at 4.30 p.m. We're doing live stream interviews with industry experts, and we produce videos that we push out every Wednesday morning. I'm Jerry from Simply Cyber. I hope you enjoyed the content, and we'll see you in the next one.